Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Trying to reach Al Weeb, homeless homeless advocate, and we want to talk with him about the uh, trench fever cases that are popping up. A specialist in infectious diseases is... He's always been intrigued by illnesses linked to poverty, but he recently diagnosed four cases of the rare trench fever within a couple of months after only four known cases in Canada since the mid-1990s. Dr. Carl Budman says the disease was common among soldiers in the First World War and is known to infect people in refugee camps, but all the cases he diagnosed this year were linked to homeless people who had body lice and lived in shelters in Winnipeg. This is Dr. Bootman. There's a tremendous cost to our society for not creating enough affordable housing for people, and the most obvious uh, example of that is the uh, rise of encampments and the cost that homelessness itself creates for the healthcare system and the social service and justice system. And so if we didn't have this degree of poverty in Canada, we wouldn't have this disease. And so we have a collective responsibility to improve these conditions. And of course, this is something that no one institution can do alone and does involve political support and resources. Dr. Bootman, the lead author of an article on trench fever published in today's edition of the Canadian Medical Association Journal. And joining us on the phone now to talk about this homeless advocate, Al Weeb. Al, good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon, Al. How are you? Good. I hope you're staying well. Your reaction to these cases of trench fever popping up in Winnipeg's homeless uh, community? Yeah, it's. Um, I, I I talked to my friends at uh, Salvation Army and Macy Project uh, recently on this, and it's not uh, to the extent that, uh, of a pandemic right now. We we had a, a outbreak in July, and uh, it was looked after by Health Sciences Center. Now it's sporadic right now, but the problem is is that. Uh, you know, they it requires a 15-day um, isolation. And on top of the isolation needs of those with COVID, there's a problem. Um, you know, last week, even the um, the testing uh, site at the Thunderbird House was turning homeless folks away because they had nowhere to send them if they were positive. Thank goodness uh, this week, an isolation unit has opened up with an extra 160 units. But, uh, you know, there, there's a, a, again, when it comes to the vulnerable, there's always, more issues than with anybody else. Yeah, and COVID, and now, you know, these cases of trench fever and yeah. everything else, I mean, it's just a terrible time, isn't it? Well, it really, really is. And again, it just compounds itself when, when you're talking about the you know, the homeless and the most vulnerable of our population. Um, thank goodness we, we, we just had now, uh, um, you know, 160 units opened up for isolation, but they're, they're going to have to be split between COVID as well as... Um, as well as now the, the the trench fever, you know, and it's it, it just compounds itself. And you know, uh, Salvation Army uh, just opened up another 13 beds for isolation as well today. So that'll leave some of the problems. But you know, when you can't test when you can't test the homeless for COVID because there's nowhere to send them, if the you know that's that's uh, quite quite the situation. Yeah. Al, you're on this committee uh, to deal with homelessness in Winnipeg. Um, COVID-19 and and what's happened here with this virus, how far has that put your efforts behind? Well, you know, it's created uh, a problem with uh, space uh, given 
the social distancing that is required, uh, you know, for the beds and everything like uh, of that nature. And so um, recently, more funding has come around to, to add spaces, but for a while there, you know, uh, folks were not getting uh, shelter because simply because of uh, spacing. And uh, now, you know, with the, the, the um, COVID-19 funding came down, uh, it was roughly seven and a half million dollars that came down. And uh, some of that was used for, for extra spacing and the, and the provincial government came through with, with some funding as well. So uh, it, it was touch and go there for, for a while, let, let's put it that way. And some folks were ba- actually, you know, back in the camps again. Mm-hmm. You know, you mentioned millions of dollars uh, of uh, federal, I believe it was federal money. I can't remember exactly how much organizations yeah. here are getting yeah. of that. But when you see a large, I'll tell you my my reaction, and maybe I'm naive. You you clue me in here, Al, if, if I'm, if I'm <laughs> off on this. But I, I see, you know, a big number like that, and I think, man, like, wh- why? And I, you know, it's for drop-in centers and, and all, you know, all kinds of different things, as you yeah. said. More beds to isolate. Yeah. Don't, don't you think money... If, if some money, a significant amount of money, could be committed to a, a form of home for yes. these people that want yes. to be off the streets, I mean, I realize not all want that, and and we're dealing with mental illness in some cases and a lot of other stuff. But it seems to me millions of dollars uh, should be going toward is finding a place for them to live. Yeah, I um. Uh, I, I have an issue with that as well. Uh, I am uh, totally in your corner on this one, and so are many, many other people. Uh, you know, stopping out fires and, and, and looking after shelter situations, okay, of the 12.5 million, roughly half of that went to the shelters. And under normal that's okay, but we need to look further than the shelter system. We need to look right. further than just how we need to look. What's the end goal here? The end goal is to house everybody. Uh, you know, uh, the, the key organization in Winnipeg is called End Homelessness Winnipeg. And the only way you do that is by actually putting up housing. And uh, some of that money, uh, some of the uh, 12.5 that the city got did go towards housing, got uh, two organizations. But but uh, a lot of it went to shelters. I'm not going to say who it went to or anything like that because they all do a really good job. But sure. you have to look at the, at, the end, at the end goal and the end picture, and that is – Housing and uh, of course, COVID money was uh, was put. Uh, some of it went to transitional housing, but again, uh, because we have a, a dire need for for the most vulnerable, a lot of it went to to uh, emergency shelters, putting people actually putting people in hotels for months, uh, at least to get them off the street. But that's only temporary. Again, we have to look well beyond that. You know, uh, mm-hmm. we are never, we are never going to end homelessness when we keep out uh, keep. Uh, Putting money into into shelters and transitional houses it just won't work, and uh, that that's a major 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 deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, regular listener Arthur sent me a text message, and I get text messages and emails like this when I have somebody like you on. Uh, Al and I have a lot of respect for you. You were once homeless, and and you're an advocate now, and you yeah. you are a part of the solution. And I appreciate everything you do, and I appreciate you coming on and, and educating me uh, okay. on this show and and the rest of us. But Arthur asked a question about personal responsibility, and some people yeah. feel like Winnipeg's homeless need to take some personal responsibility for the situation they're in. Is is it is it more? Di- uh, it is more complicated than that. That's too simplistic, yeah. right? It is more complicated than that. Uh, you know, um, and a lot of people use again. This would be Arthur. You know, a lot of people would 
use the term bad choices. And I uh, simply, I, uh, I challenge people on that. Uh, the choices are made under their under the duress of mental illness and under the duress of addiction. Sure, the, uh, and uh, a decision may have been made, you know, uh, to, to to try drugs or something like that. However, yeah. but but you know, I I say those are not bad. You know, it's not a bad choice that landed them on the street. A lot of crisis going on. A lot of okay people coming down from the reserves because there's nothing up there. There's no housing up there. They come down to Winnipeg to get a better life. And mm-hmm. it doesn't exist here. And people end up staying there. And uh, people with mental health issues, uh, uh, I ended up homeless because I had a mental health issue. I was making 150 a year. And I ended up on the street um, my, you know, because I, I simply wanted to have my life on the street. But that, that decision was made not when I was of sound mind. And so, mm-hmm. you know, we have to really understand mental health issues are huge when you're talking about uh, folks laying there on the street. And once you're there, it, it, you cannot get out by yourself you need help from somewhere it just doesn't right. happen you know and uh it, it just does not happen by yourself i mm-hmm. i was very very lucky to get help from dr St. B and then from uh, other organizations after that but mm-hmm. uh, it, you can't do that by yourself yeah and it's not just you mentioned mental illness and uh, addiction it's not just mm-hmm. that it's economics right no. because many people listening right now are a paycheck Indeed. or two away from finding yeah. themselves homeless Today, today it's even different, and it's uh, even more complicated because, you know, we had a moratorium on uh, rent evictions that uh, mm-hmm. was lifted, and so a lot of folks uh, uh, got eviction notices, and now because of COVID, they've lost their jobs and don't have income. And then when uh, curve ended up ended uh, ended, uh, uh, some of them couldn't get on the EIA program or EI program. So again. Uh, it's it's a matter of circumstance too. With COVID, has thrown everything upside down, and has created more uh, homeless folks. Like in Halifax, their homeless numbers have doubled. Saskatoon, their homeless numbers have doubled. Winnipeg, ours have grown. So you know, yeah, it's simply because financial circumstances. You're absolutely right about that. Right now, Ray Dubois is here from Ron Paul Garden Center. Ray, good afternoon. How how are you today, my friend? I got to tell you, man, my tree from your place looks beautiful in the corner here. Jackie's very happy. You've made me a popular man at home. Thank you. Happy wife, happy life, Hal. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> although, <laughs> yes, although um, you are not a terribly happy guy, and I don't blame you. I read your Facebook post on the weekend. Tell everybody, and, and listen, you're running a business. These enforcement officers are out there. I get it. They got a job to do. But you made a really good point on the Facebook post, I thought. You said, listen, come and check on me once a, a week and, and make sure I'm doing things by the book. I am, by the way. Uh, they're not ticketing you. They're not fining you. How many times have they visited you over what period of time? Uh, they came on Friday uh, one person came at 12.30, the next person came at 2.54, and then on Saturday, a uh, person came in at 12.42. Uh, they gave us a day off yesterday, and then today we had a visit at 10.45, and then another visit at 11.39. So basically in, what, three days, five visits, um, some within hours of each other, and uh, one, like today, less than an hour apart. And that does seem excessive. I mean, I understand it. They're doing a job, but they were there the first time, the second time, third time, fourth time, fifth time. I mean, every time there's no issue. They're not ticketing you, right? 
That is correct. Actually, this, there's been six. They, they were here a week ago Friday as well. Uh, so it was Friday, then Friday, Friday, Saturday, and then Monday, Monday. So, and what do they tell again, you? Are they are they following up on uh, people calling in, or like what what what's the reasoning? Well, the first one, the the young lady got out of her car and told one of my staff that she was writing us a ticket because we weren't social distancing. And then they called me to the front on the radio, and I came up and I said, "Hey, you know what's up?" And she goes, "I'm writing you a ticket because you're not wearing a mask." And I said, "Well, we are wearing masks," and uh, and it was outside, and then. Um, and then she said well, she went to her car, and then she talked to her supervisor and said she wasn't writing any tickets. And then she walked around the store, and, and she said that we were selling poinsettias to clients in the store. And I said, where are the clients in the store? And she said, well, you know, that's, you, how, how can you tell me that you're not? We said, well, they're not. This is for hospice and palliative care, and we are doing uh, deliveries for those tomorrow morning, so we're getting them ready. And then um, we are doing curbside pickup for poinsettias where people pull up or we're bringing them out to their car. Um, and then she left. And the other people just keep coming and telling us that they're here to do an inspection. And have you taken it up the the ladder at all to try and find out what's going on? Yeah, I've escalated it to our MLA and also like to our actual the actual public health inspection officer. Her name is Sabina, and she's outstanding. She's uh, been super helpful. We've worked with her lots. Um, you know, she she knows us, and uh, she you know we have never had a problem with her ever. And uh, you know, got along great with her, and we get along great with her. And so she's uh, she's running out the flagpole with her supervisor, and they're trying to get an understanding of why it is that these people keep coming. And, and you know, I, I might add, uh, if it was, you know, everybody on the street seeing this kind of attack, you know, then it would be, you know, we'd be, oh, I guess that's just they're on a, a blitz. However, uh, you know, we all, you know, this strip, how you know this area, we're yep. all friends. Garden centers, yeah. Uh, yeah, man, we're all we always help each other out. We like it's the guys at Lacoste when we didn't have trees. I sent everyone down there. Same with St. Mary's. We ran out of trees. I sent everyone down there. That's what we do. We help each other. And mm-hmm. I called up uh, Dave at Lacoste and Carla at St. Mary's. Said, "Have you had uh, anybody down there?" And they're like, "Like this? This was this weekend." I said, "No, no one's been down there." And then I called them today. Hmm. Do you guys have any business? And they said, "No, no one's been down there." Thought, you know, you ever feel like you're being targeted? <laughs> Right. Yeah, so, and and you, you know, know what? And you're a by the book guy, Ray. I've known you a long time, and all you've got to do is look at the comments on Facebook after you posted asking what the heck's going on here. I mean, you are a community guy. You help your competitors. You're you're an outstanding guy. So I don't understand this, and I I I hope they're hearing this conversation. I wonder if here's my thought, and these are these are uh, this is uh, these gar- uh, uh, enforcement officers are hired. Through the province, but it's a private company, I guess. Eh? Like, yeah, I, I wonder if they've. Been Jerry or Gary 4S. G4S is yeah, the name of the company. Right. And, and, you know, you know, one guy came in today who didn't even have a badge. Hmm. I wonder if they're, you know, if they've just got a list and, and you just happen to be near the top of the list, although R, that doesn't really. I don't know. I'm just, I'm trying to figure it out because it just, it, and, and what you said in your Facebook post, and I agree, you're rubbing a real good guy the wrong way here. Well, there's all sorts of people doing the right things and who are in Yeah, you're doing the right things. I'm not an anti-master, not an anti-vaster. I'm not, you know, like I'm supporting what what everyone's trying to do. I'm down, right? And, uh, you know, I had a guy in here fixing our phone system today and he he was telling me how many, he can overheard some of the conversations after after I hung up the phone. 
uh, with, with one of the reporters, and he said, uh, he goes, man, I, I've been to so many places where no one's wearing a mask. He says, everyone has a mask on here. He goes, you guys, it's like the best that I've been to. So I don't know how. It just it seems a little odd that Sussex 6 maybe got delivered gravel to the guy this summer, whoever, whoever the head guy, the <laughs> supervisor, and he didn't, like, ran over his grass. I don't know what's going on. I, I doubt that. I, I oh, doubt that. But listen, I appreciate you coming on because I think it's important to get the message out there that this is happening. And you know what? I, I want people to let me know, 204-780-6868 and hal at cgob.com if you're a business person or, or an organization out there that's running into this kind of thing. I want to hear if others are dealing uh, with this sort of thing too. Now, before I let you go, Ray, i got to ask you, where are we at with, with Christmas trees? We're hearing about a shortage. Have you got any? What's going on at Ron Paul's with Christmas trees? We're sold out. I think uh, when we sold out, the guys down the street had a bunch, so we just kept pumping them down there. And I finally just said, Dave, uh, let me know when you're sold out. Because I think Carla was sold out. And then I said, Dave, let me know when you're sold out so we can stop forwarding people to you and harassing you as well. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, we are completely sold out. I think Lacoste is sold out. I think St. Mary's is sold out. So I think down the strip here where everyone's done. And I'm hearing the same message. Can I just add one thing? I want to make yeah. sure that people understand it's not the, the actual provincial health officers. Right. The BNR officer, the local person, has been outstanding. It's the hired guns that seem to have it. I don't know. I just they, that's the problem. And I'm not at all advocating anti-masking. I'm not advocating right. flouting the law. I'm not. You understand? I'm just mm-hmm. confused about the numerous back-to-back multiple visits to the only store, my own, my store, only my store on the strip. It's a confusion right. that I'm not able to. I'm not able to understand it. Mm-hmm. Unless it's because you're the first guy on the strip, or I don't know that it's, it is unusual. So I'm I'm gonna I'll let you know what I hear from other people here, Ray. But I appreciate you coming on. I know you were hesitant too because you're not a complainer. You're not that you're not that guy. But uh, I think it's worth talking about, and and this helps me maybe find some others that are dealing with the same thing. So and it's back a, to the Christmas it's trees. Heated, it's a Go heated ahead. conversation. It's a heated conversation. There's a lot of emotions. Me as well. So you know I don't want to get drawn into this. You know, this emotional yeah. debate, you know what I'm saying? So that's mm-hmm. why it's hesitant to come on. So. Yeah, no, I know. And and that's it then for trees. That's it. You don't, you're the, more it. aren't coming. It's No, man, I, I looked and looked and looked. There's nothing. And hmm. I don't see it changing. I mean, it's all, you know, you could see it coming. I, I ordered 10% more. And, uh, but that didn't even, I could have sold lots more. But hey, what are you going to do? And when's the last time you were sold out of Christmas trees on December 7th? Never in my life. Usually around the 20th, you know, 21st, and then whatever we have left on the 23rd, we uh, we donate to the Forks uh, Skating Trail or something, you know, like that. We just kind of give them away and try to just make sure they don't, we don't go to waste. Chris Rutkowski, science writer and weirdologist, joins us on the phone. Chris, good afternoon. Hello there, hell. Thanks a lot for doing this. So uh, just to let everybody know how I found out about this, Chris sent me a text yesterday, and he says, Hal, a monolith has turned up in Manitoba. Somebody posted a picture of it on Reddit, and you had your people head out to Pinawats, right by the dam in Pinawa, and you had your people confirm that, in fact, this is not photoshopped. It's not some bogus picture. It's there, eh, Chris? It is, in fact, or was there, and I have ah. news, but I'll get to there. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, several people had uh, uh, posted photos, and I spoke with people who had been out there. Apparently, word had gotten around so quickly that uh, dozens and dozens of cars were parked at the entrance uh, 
to the area. Uh, actually, the gate is locked, so you have to have to walk in about a quarter of a mile to get to see this thing. Uh, but yeah, it was it was definitely there, and uh, it was you know you know six, seven, eight feet tall, and uh, um, sort of a three-sided thing. And people went up to it and touched it and rapped on it. It was definitely metal, and it was had all the earmarks of all the stuff that's been seen around the world. But you know how. The aliens give us, and the aliens take us away. <laughs> it's gone. Yeah, I was, uh, just uh, heard that uh, it's gone, and there's actually uh, marks in the snow that uh, looks like somebody has dragged it away. So you, if people missed it, they missed it. Wow. You have to wonder if somebody, if the person who put it there has taken it or somebody else just took it away and the interesting thing about this is i don't know a few weeks ago in utah one uh, showed up there in the middle of nowhere and then it disappeared and since then there have been a, a bunch of other monoliths showing up around the world and many of those have disappeared and now our monolith here in manitoba is gone a couple of days after it was discovered yeah, who knows where it's going to show up next, but sure, there was one in Romania, one on the Isle of Wight, uh, and, you know, these things have been popping up uh, all over the place. And I think the, the ones these days are, are the copycats, but uh, uh, who's doing it, I don't know. And, you know, the thing about the Pinawa one is, it, it, yeah, I guess it's also true of the one in Utah, it's not the easiest accessible place. I mean, uh, yeah. you'd have to drag it in there, and apparently it was perched uh, within a, a bunch of rocks. People had to climb on rocks. A fairly large rocks and boulders to get to this thing, and it was kind of wedged in there. So people are going to some significant trouble to put them there in the first place. So it's a, it's an interesting cultural phenomenon. Now, the thing about the Utah uh, monolith, Utah actually has some very, very interesting uh, conceptual art that's very large, too. People have installed uh, strange things uh, throughout Utah. The, the most famous, I think, people might have heard of something called Spiral Jetty, uh, which was uh, created by an artist named Smithson, and he actually made a uh, 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 you know a, a sort of a peninsula in the shape of a spiral uh, in this one lake, and it's uh, is very large and very spectacular. It's very well known. But people have installed. Uh, I think there's one called the Utah Tower, and then there's one uh, that's uh, just a bunch of tubes that people can run through. Uh, so you know, Utah has some interesting found art, and I think that the uh, the monolith was probably the most recent. Hmm. Now, i got to ask you, Jackie, I was telling Jackie you were coming on today, I told her this yesterday when I got your text message, I said, hey, there's a monolith over by the dam in Pinoa. And she said, you know, I, I know these things are in movies and TV shows, but what is the theory on these things? So, And I said, you know, that's a good question. You mentioned aliens. I know that's one of the theories, uh, Chris. And many of these, as you point out, are, are copycats. But w what do you make of these monoliths? What, what, are, what are the theories behind them appearing? Well, of course, people are, are fascinated with this idea of a monolith because it, it harkens uh, the thing that was found by... Uh, uh, by the uh, the apes in 2001, and then eventually by the astronauts on the moon, and uh, right. in the classic movie. Uh, and I think people have always wondered about you know whether uh, things like this could be dropped in place by aliens. But uh, we suspect, and I, again, this, I think this is probably the case in the, in the Utah one for sure that it was a, a piece of art simply by mm -hmm. the placement where it was. And and I think a lot of the other ones, although it's very interesting that. 
people would would choose to copy them in some of these out of the way places. I mean, Isle of Wight, Pinawa. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, why, why would you know this was Canada's first of this series that I can I, I've heard of. So. I think we've been blessed. We've been fortunate to have our own <laughs> monolith here in Manitoba, but you know somebody has already uh, snatched the opportunity away. But uh, who knows where it's going to turn up next? Maybe, uh, maybe in our own backyards. Well, and this is what I'm wondering, right? Who took it? Was it the person that put it up that took it down again? Where will it show up next? Right? Have we got a monolith now here in Manitoba that'll pop up? show up, disappear, and, and reappear in a different location. I guess we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, keep your eyes out, people. All right. Thank you very much, Chris. Appreciate your help on this. Okay, Hal, anytime. And thanks for keeping me in the loop on the weird news out there. I got the text yesterday. I was it kind of made my afternoon yesterday, I'll be honest with you. Chris <laughs> sent me the text and shared the link on Reddit, and uh, there it is. Uh, a monolith right here in Manitoba. Well, it's not there anymore, but it was next to the Pinawa Dam. Chris Rakowski, science writer and weirdologist, joining us here. I guess if you see it out there somewhere, let us know. 204-780-6868. Hal at cjob.com. <laughs> Joining us now, Reverend Eric Parker at Sherwood Park Lutheran Church. Uh, Reverend Parker, good afternoon. Hello. Hi, thank you very much for jumping on here for a few minutes. I really appreciate it. So you wrote an open letter um, to Springs Church. Can you tell us what your your comments were? Um, my letter was, was in response to uh, some, of their, some of their recent um, efforts to uh, continue to gather in their drive-in services that go against the public health orders. And so, um, you know, wanting to offer a different narrative of, of what a lot of churches and faith communities are doing in in Winnipeg and in Manitoba and across the country, for that matter, uh, just to say that, you know, a, a lot of us don't feel like um, we need to go against public health orders, that we can, we can gather online, we can gather um, in other distanced ways where we don't need to be in person, even if it's in cars. And that uh, and that's that's okay for us to do for a short time, and we can do that for our community, and we can do that to care for our communities and to help stop the spread of the virus. Mm-hmm. And Springs Church has canceled its upcoming weekend drive-in services after losing that uh, uh, court challenge on the weekend. So that's the good news. But down mm-hmm. near Steinbach, uh, that church, which has been ticketed and fined in the past. Uh, did hold drive-in services yesterday, and they say they will continue to do that, and they have been ticketed and fined again, and they say they'll keep doing it and, and I guess, keep taking the tickets and, and paying the fines. What would you say to them? I just don't understand what the motivation is to continue to to break the public health orders. You know, these orders are, are clearly designed to be temporary, and they're clearly intended for the good of the community to help us stay safe, to limit uh, the amount of infections, and ultimately to limit the amount of of deaths that occur. You know, 400 Manitobans have died from this pandemic, and that's 400 grieving families. And, you know, someone who often is called upon to walk alongside grieving families, I just can't imagine doing something that that would cause, put people's lives in jeopardy. And so I just do not understand what the motivation is to continue gathering, despite the public health orders, and despite the risk to public safety. Yeah, I, I'm with you there, Reverend. Um, every day, you know, today, 12 more Manitobans 
are dead. Uh, half of those in Winnipeg and another 325 cases today, 191 of those cases uh, in Winnipeg. I mean, this is significant, and I understand the desire uh, to worship together, whether it's, you know, in a drive-in service, in your car, or in person. Uh, but as you point out, these were temporary asks. In fact, in the next day or two, we may see that restriction loosened, right? Because uh, this uh, current set of code red restrictions comes up for renewal on Friday. So we don't know. Uh, drive-in church services may very well be allowed again after Friday. Yeah, it, I mean, it's quite possible. And I think to leave those decisions up to the public health experts, up to elected officials, and ultimately it's the attitude of saying, you know, we know better. If everybody was allowed to decide what restrictions we wanted to follow or not based on how much it impacted our lives, you could imagine the chaos that would ensue. So that, that is ultimately part of the attitude that I think a lot of, that myself and a lot of faith leaders really objected to was that Springs was kind of saying, you know, that we feel that this is good and we follow the restrictions, so that means we're okay. Last time I checked, most pastors are not epidemiologists, not public health experts. So listen to the experts and follow their instructions and do what is permitted to do. But ultimately, our concern should be for saving lives and keeping people safe. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about your uh, the members of your church? Are, um, do they they must feel the same way, or, or are there some people that don't understand these uh, restrictions? Uh, for the most part, I think we're all on the same page. I mean, we've been talking about it a lot throughout the last uh, number of months. We've been talking about how difficult this winter would be, and mentally preparing ourselves for the fact that we might be gathering only online for a significant portion of this winter. But the sacrifice of not being able to meet in person is certainly worth it because we know that we're not putting each other at risk and we're not putting our community at risk. And that ultimately is is what's most important. I just could not imagine if one of my members came and we have a number of elderly members, people that are in you know high risk for mortality uh, if they catch COVID-19. I just couldn't imagine putting them at risk for for something, a serious outcome from this disease. Mm-hmm. Reverend, thanks for speaking out, and, and thank you for doing it here on this show. I appreciate it. You're welcome. That is uh, Reverend Eric Parker at Sherwood Park Lutheran Church. Uh, as I said, uh, Springs Church says they will not hold drive-in services, uh, but it sounds like, as far as we can tell, that uh, those uh, church services down in the Steinbeck area uh, will continue after more tickets were issued at a drive-in uh, service yesterday. Hal Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.